So, hopefully you've been keeping up with your scripture reading. And uh, this week, ran across some concepts that I want to share with you. Uh, But I want to introduce them through Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 said this, Be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a pretty in-your-face statement, isn't it? Without holiness, you're not going to see God. Okay, great. But if I were to go through the room and survey you and ask you for a definition of holiness, how do you think you'd do? Think about it for a minute. What is holiness? Well, it's... Well, I know what it is. It's kind of like... Well, I know this one. It's hard. It's hard to define holiness. And if the Scripture says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord... I think it's kind of important that we should know exactly what holiness is and exactly how to have it. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So I want to simplify a very complicated concept. And I'm going to break holiness down to just two words. And of course, I'm going to have to explain some of that too. The first one I know, consecration. I'm going to have to explain that. And purification. You all know what purification is, to purify something. Consecration is when something is totally and completely dedicated to God. Today we just use it as people, but in the old days of the temple, it could have also been things. Like this vessel here that contains olive oil for the menorah can only be used for olive oil for the menorah, can only be touched by a priest, can only be filled by a priest. And that with oil that's made by those who are approved of the priest to make it. So then that oil and that oil container would be totally consecrated to God. The temple was holy. It was totally consecrated to God. Consecration is when you're totally, totally only for one purpose. That's what consecration means. Consecration refers to being completely dedicated to God And for us, it means being completely dedicated to God in our lives. We live for God. In the Old Testament, God commanded the children of Israel about how they should dress, the type of clothing they could wear. Like they couldn't mix a wool shirt with a linen shirt. That was against the law. So God's idea of teaching them about consecration and holiness extended to every aspect of their lives. There were certain foods they could eat, certain foods they could not eat. The foods they could eat had to be prepared a certain way. Certain clothes they could wear, certain clothes they couldn't wear. And the clothes they wore had to be worn a certain way, fully and totally consecrated to God in every areas of their life, what they wore, what they ate, who they married, and even sexual relations. Everything is spelled out in the Bible so that a person might be fully holy and consecrated to God. When we honor God, you and I, we're holy. When we serve God with our lives, we're holy. When we step away from that, we step away from holiness. The opposite of holiness is impurity or unholiness. And that's why the word purity and holiness go close together. Holiness deals with consecration. That means fully dedicated to God and purity. But what is purity? Well, you know what purity is. It's the opposite of dirty. When you had things that God used, it applied to those things. But how do you have a pure soul? 
We're going to spend some time talking about that. Specifically, one topic only, sexual purity, because our readings this week dealt with sexual purity. Remember Hebrews 12, 14 said, be holy. Two verses later, verse 16, it says, see that no one is sexually immoral. So now I know that sexual immorality is impure, it's unholy. Sexual morality is pure and holy. If you want to research what the Bible says about sexual relations, Leviticus 18 is the place to start. There's just a list. These things you can do, these things you can't do. It's, uh, you know, it's rated R. Don't give it to your little kids to read. But if you want to know what God considers acceptable and what he doesn't consider acceptable, that's your chapter. I would, you know, recommend you read it. Most of the behavior in 18 that's unacceptable, you already know is unacceptable. It's part of our culture. It's part of our heritage. But that's a good list right there. Our readings this past week dealt specifically with the topic of adultery. There were at least three Proverbs that addressed it, not to mention the Hebrews passage. So at least four times this week you read about the problems of adultery. Hebrews 13.4 said this, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Adultery is a big issue in the Bible. In fact, God took all of his commandments and summarized them into ten. Ten that are easy to memorize. You shall have no other gods before me. That was the first one. You shall not make idols and bow down to them. That's the second one. You should um, refrain from dishonoring God with your lips. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The third one. Fourth one, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The fifth one, honor your parents. The sixth one, don't murder. The seventh one, don't commit adultery. The eighth one, uh, don't steal. The ninth one, don't bear false witness. And the tenth one, don't covet other people's stuff. You notice out of the ten, the top ten list, God's top ten, adultery's in there. So adultery is a big deal to God. Made the top ten list extremely important and a significant issue today. So I decided, I wonder how big an issue it is today. I mean, do people really do this a lot? Is it common? How common is it? So I went on the internet to look up statistics in America on adultery today. Here's what I found. The percentage of wives having affairs rose almost 40% during the last two decades. But what it rose to is 14.7% by the year 2010. While the number of men admitting to extramarital affairs held constant at 21%. According to the latest data from the National Opinion Research Center's General Social Survey, it goes on to say that among baby boomers, those are ages 49 to 66, 29% of males and 16% of females admitted to cheating. So with baby boomer men, it's up to 29%, 30%, one in three. However, Gen X people and Gen Y people, and that would cover the 18 to 48 category, show a similar rate among females at 15%, but a much lower rate among males at 20%. Something happened. Don't know what. Men went down. That's a good thing. Then it went on to say that people who have been divorced or separated are twice as likely to cheat on their spouse. So these are some sobering statistics. Take all that data and compile it. Just think of it this way. Just under 25% of people cheat. 
one in four. Is that a good statistic or a bad statistic? I mean, I, I thought it was worse, but still one in four is horrible. I and mean, we're talking about one of the top seven commandments here. People know it's wrong, and yet we do it. So we read through the Proverbs this week. And like I said, several times in the Proverbs we read this week, adultery was addressed at least three times. I'm thinking, wow, this must be an important topic. And the way the Proverbs are laid out, it's advice from a father to a son or to his sons. So it's guy talk. Guy, dad talking to his boys saying, sons, stay away from a woman that's not your wife. In fact, I think of all the Proverbs we read this week, most of them started with these words, my son or my sons. Obviously, you can make the application for women, but I wanted you to know that this is a male-oriented conversation that we're getting into. So it's about a boy or a man and a woman from the dad's perspective teaching the son. Proverbs 5.1, as an example, said, My son, pay attention to my wisdom and listen well to my words of insight. And then he goes on to give him instruction. He says, pay attention. I'm going to give you some good advice. The lips of another man's wife may be as sweet as honey and her kisses as smooth as olive oil. But when it's all over, she leaves you nothing but bitterness and pain. She will take you down to the world of the dead. The road she walks is the road to death. You'd think those words are about as strong as they could get. Solomon was trying to tell his boys, this is going to kill you. In fact, the King James Version made it even more strong. It says, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. So basically the idea is, you hook up with a woman that's not your wife, that's somebody else's wife, you might as, you're just going to hell. You're going to live through hell and maybe end up in hell. I mean, it's, it's as powerful as a powerful statement can get. Then in verse 7, now listen to me, sons. Never forget what I'm saying. Keep away from such a woman. Don't even go near her door. If you do, and then he goes on to tell them what's going to happen to them if they don't listen to him. Strangers will take all your wealth, and what you've worked for will belong to someone else. You'll lie groaning on your deathbed, your flesh and muscles being eaten away, and you'll say, why would I never learn? Suddenly I found myself publicly disgraced. Be faithful to your own wife and give your love to her alone. Be happy with your wife and find your joy with the woman you married. That's some great advice. But why don't 25% of a people follow it? Well, because most people don't care what God has to say, for starters. And because the temptations are strong. You know, a lot of people commit adultery not just because they're, um, I don't know, sexually active, but because they're looking for fulfillment. They, they are in a marital relationship, but something's missing. The love's not there for some, some reason. Maybe they're fighting, or maybe one spouse doesn't meet the other spouse's needs. Their needs are legitimate. But the way they're meeting the need is illegitimate. So my heart goes out to people. I understand. Life's hard. It is. But there are some things that are acceptable and some things that are not. And I don't want to talk about it in the way of, oh, that's bad, so don't do it. This is good, do it. Bad, bad, bad. Good, good. Like rules. Nobody likes rules. Don't think of thou shalt not commit adultery as a rule. Think of it as a safety precaution. 
Kind of like, don't bathe with the toaster. <laughs> I hate rules. Well, then go ahead. Right? That's how it is with all of God's commandments. They might sound like, oh, man, you're just trying to kill my buzz. But what it really is, is God's trying to save your life. He's trying to make you have a better life. Well, Steve, come on, adultery, really? That's not going to ruin a life. Oh, really? Let me ask you a question, just a, sh a show of hands. How many of you have had a close friend or relative or something in an adulterous situation, and it ruined lives? Let me see your hands. Ooh, yeah, some of you have experienced this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it doesn't just ruin the couple's lives. It ruins their children's lives. Because usually when a girl, a daughter, sees her father cheat on her mother, it gives her no hope that she can ever find a faithful man. And more often than not, she becomes sexually promiscuous. And it gives the son this idea that there's no such thing as a stable relationship. And of course, now the daughter and the son hate the father or the mother, whichever one cheated, and ruined their lives. And that emotional, psychological scar stays for years. And that's just the immediate family. What about the best friends? Now you're stuck in this horrible, do I like this person, do I not like this person? And your whole family thing's broken up, hurts the church, hurts the community, hurts people at work. It's really a difficult thing. Now, by the time I'm done, I'm going to hopefully leave you with some hope also. But I, I got to let you know what the scripture says and tell you about the pain of it. So here's the part I'm going to analyze just for a couple minutes. I'm not going to drag it out, then leave you with a little bit of hope. Verse 3, 4, and 5 say this. The lips of another man's wife may be as sweet as honey, and her kisses as smooth as olive oil. But when it's all over, she leaves you nothing but bitterness and pain. She will take you down to the world of the dead. The road she walks is the road to death. What I saw in these verses and in the rest of the Proverbs are five things that you can expect from adultery. Your finances will be ruined. Your health will be ruined. Your personal safety will be threatened. Your moral and spiritual integrity will be ruined. And your reputation will be ruined. Sign me up. Sounds fun. Remember, it's not a rule. It's a safety precaution. But Steve, he must be exaggerating just to keep his son from doing this. Uh, it says here, verse 8, Keep away from such a woman. Don't even go near her door. If you do, strangers will take your wealth, and what you've worked for will belong to someone else. Now, how can adultery result in you losing your money? That doesn't make any sense until you think about it. Let me give you a modern way that this could be fulfilled, something we see every day. Now, I've got a lot of reading to do here for you. I hope you don't find it boring but I just took some data off the internet. I thought it was so good I wanted to share it with you. Listen. Title of the article, The Financial Impact of Divorce. Divorce is not only an emotionally trying experience, but it can be a financially devastating one as well. The average cost of a divorce in the United States now runs about $20,000. How many of you right now can invest $20,000 just lose it and not be hurt. Chances are you'd have to go into debt. And this is just the start. It gets a lot worse than this. That's from legal fees, alimony payments, to the division of assets, possible tax consequences. The cost can grow even higher if you add those things. In some cases, the financial consequences set people back decades. 
So you worked your whole lives to get to a certain point, and now you're right back to where you started. Just remember that job you had at McDonald's when you got out of high school. The first financial burden is the separation of one household into two. Two rents, two cable bills, two utility bills, two health insurance bills, and there's no longer the bulk savings on things like groceries. Almost overnight, the living expenses for the couple double while their combined income remains the same. That's if you keep your job. Divorce is such a stressful thing, it often ruins your job. You get fired or you quit. Now your expenses are doubled and you have no income or less income. Divorce can come with a big tax bill. In many cases, when a couple splits, they may immediately start scrambling to claim or divide assets. It's not uncommon for a spouse to run and clear out bank accounts, cash in CDs and sell off stocks, bonds, and other investments. Blinded by emotion and fear, they can be hit with a harsh reality when tax time comes around. People are not aware that there are consequences for taking certain assets out. Spouses may want to get the money or may need it for income, but the taxes really add up. A lot of your retirement stuff is tax deferred till retirement. You take it out now, next thing you know, Uncle Sam's knocking on your door. He wants some too. Then there's spousal support. The granting of alimony can vary widely, but in general, the resource spouse might have to pay 50% of their income minus 40% of the income being earned by the non-income spouse. What if the non-income spouse isn't employed, which is often the case, 50% of your income? Now, this is some, a situation. It's just, you know, people divorce for various reasons, but there's always pain involved. Imagine one of the spouses commits adultery, so the other spouse files for divorce. Or even the adultery spouse files for divorce. And you stand before the judge, and the judge says, now let's say it's, it's he committed adultery, she didn't. She's the earner, he's not. And the judge tells her, you have to give him half of your money for the next five years and half your retirement for the rest of his life. You mean I'm paying him to ruin my life and commit adultery and break our marriage vows? Because the judge doesn't care about adultery. He just cares about money, and he wants to make it even. In his mind, you get everything 50-50. That's fair. Imagine the devastation that somebody will experience. I've seen it. It's horrible. No matter how amicable a divorce may be, there are going to be significant legal fees. Attorney fees add up quickly, because when combined, the couple is paying for not just one, but two legal teams. Even an amicable do-it-yourself divorce can still cost over $1,500 in many jurisdictions. And you're thinking, phew, that's not so much. You know how many amicable divorces there are? People usually get divorced because they're mad. They're hurt. They don't agree on everything. you got all these assets, and they're going to like, oh, yes, we'll just divide it with, with our good judgment. You don't get a penny, you scum! What you did to me, you don't deserve anything. I put you through school. And on and on it goes. When you're looking at a relationship that's broken like that, usually one spouse can't even talk to the other spouse. They're so mad at each other. So the attorney calls the attorney. You think they make those phone calls for free? They're paying, you're paying them $100 an hour for every phone call they make. 
you can be out upwards of $100,000 in some divorces. Now, maybe you'd be one of the lucky ones and get away with $20,000. See, God says, don't commit adultery. You'll be financially ruined. He tells us it's for our benefit, his rules. And he gives us very practical understanding as to how it can ruin our lives. So, adultery can ruin you financially. There's other ways, but that's one way. Adultery can ruin your health. And you're like, how in the world can it ruin your health? Proverbs 5.11, you will lie groaning on your deathbed, your flesh and muscles being eaten away. Really, Steve? A bit of an exaggeration, wouldn't you say? How in the world can committing adultery ruin your health? Well, a couple ways. First of all, and I quote, Chronic stress can wreak havoc on your mind and body. Mayo Clinic. So one way your, your health can be ruined is just by stress. Maybe those of you who raised your hands earlier, you saw these people lose lots of weight, start getting sickly looking. Their bodies do waste away. The devastation of the pain and sorrow is just, it's body breaking. Some people recover. Some people don't because stress isn't the only thing that afflicts the body. What about STDs? I mean, you're cheating. You don't know what you're hooking up with. Who knows what kind of diseases are there? I found this interesting statistic that one in four people have an STD, a sexually transmitted disease, one in four people. What were the adultery rates I shared with you a minute ago? One in four. So I found that a very interesting parallel in the statistics. Now, some STDs, you say, oh, just get a shot, I'll be fine. Some of them are that way. Some of them aren't. Some of them will kill you dead, make your body rot away. You know, AIDS is an STD. And that's exactly what it does to people. It makes their bodies rot away. They just shrivel up, get sick, and die. It's horrible. In 2011... AIDS claimed somewhere between one and a half and two million people. Just in that one year alone. So two million people, oh, that's just a number, Steve. Yeah, it's 4,000 dead a day. That's the number. That's 500 deaths every hour. That was only a couple years ago. So let's say the statistic is right now. Well, if that's 500 deaths an hour, how many is that a minute? How many is that during this lesson right now? Yeah, God says don't commit adultery. It's not a rule. It's a hazard sign. Don't do it. It impacts finances. It impacts health. Also, also personal safety and reputation. Personal safety, besides health, besides health. Listen, Proverbs 6, 32 to 35. Things you just don't think about. If you go to bed with another man's wife, you will destroy yourself by your own stupidity. You will be beaten and forever disgraced because a jealous husband can be furious and merciless when he takes revenge. He won't let you pay him off no matter what you offer him. You might be beat to death. You might be killed for it. Or you just might be beaten to a pulp. You know, from guy's perspective, women may not think this way, but I tell you what, I pity the fool that messes with my wife. I pity the fool. You'll lose a pastor because I'll end up in prison. Did I say that on TV? <laughs> <laughs> Edit, cut. <laughs> Can I broadcast from jail? 
Let that be a warning to you, honey. Because a jealous husband can be furious and merciless when he takes revenge. Beaten and forever disgraced. Personal safety and reputation. So, we look at it as a rule. Don't commit adultery because that's bad and God will be mad at you. It's not about God being mad at you. It's kind of like, don't, you tell your kids, don't do drugs. Don't do crack. Why, because you'll be mad at me? No, it's got nothing to do with me being mad at you. It's got everything to do with me loving you and not wanting you to destroy yourself. I guess being mad at you is kind of like a, a fringe benefit. <laughs> it's really not the issue at hand at all. But it might play in a little, but who cares? Whatever it takes to keep you from doing it. Yeah, I'll be mad. Don't do it. See, we look at God and we think of him being mad. It's not about him being mad. It's he loves you. And he doesn't want you to be ruined, hurt, and destroyed. His rules are for your benefit. When you raise children, you tell them certain things. Don't stick your finger in the light socket. Why? Because you'll be mad? Don't run out into the street. Why? Because you'll be mad? Mm -hmm, You'll be killed, exactly. (laughs) You pegged it right on. And then when they get older, brush your teeth. Every morning, every night. Why? Because you'll get mad? No, so you can keep your teeth. And then when you're my age, you won't have false teeth. Don't eat junk food for a meal. Why? Because you'll be mad? No, because it'll make you sick. And you'll end up with diabetes like Uncle Fred. Don't drink too much. Why? Because you'll be mad? No, because you'll be stupid. <laughs> We've got to look at God's rules differently. They're not so we'll offend him. It's because it ruins us. And yes, it also offends him. But it's all about God loving us. So, now, let me read to you a rule again. Hebrews 12, 14. Be holy. Why? Because you'll be mad? No, because if you're holy, you'll be with me in heaven forever blessed. And if you're not, you'll be in hell forever, ever cursed. It's not about me being mad. It's about me loving you. Now, I knew when I talked about adultery, it would play close to home to some of you. I want you to know I'm not mad. It's not about pointing a finger and saying, you did bad. You know you did bad. I don't have to tell you that. What I want to tell you now is you can recover from it. Whether you're the criminal or the victim, there is a road back through Jesus of forgiveness and love and healing. Sometimes the people separate. Sometimes they even heal their marriages. Even with pastors and their wives, sometimes it happens. It's a horrible thing. Got a video clip I want to share with you. Let's take a look. Hi, my name is Cindy Beal. On February the 19th, 2002, my husband came home and confessed that he had been unfaithful to me. As you can imagine, my world instantly fell apart. I was without hope. I was in complete despair. 
I didn't know if I was going to stay. I didn't know if I was going to leave. I, I really didn't know my next step. And I began to look online. I looked at Christian bookstores and book just every bookstore to try to find a story, a book about somebody who'd gone through this and made it through and maybe said, you know, there, there is hope. Uh, and I couldn't find it. I am so thankful, though, that I have friends and family members and an amazing church that helped us through this because without them there's no way we would have made it. Fast forward going on 10 years and what's happened in our marriage is um, nothing short of miraculous. Um, just to see where we are. Is um, the power of God. It's not two people. It's just um, two people surrender to God. And when you surrender, you will find God's power. There's no way we would be where we are if God's power had not been displayed so powerfully. When you read Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken, you will walk away with a new faith, a deeper intimacy with God because you will see that He is still in the business of doing miracles, even today. Now, why did she get on in front of a camera to share her pain? Just thinking back to the memory made her cry. Why did she do that? She did for you. Because she wants to help people and know that there's hope afterwards. A couple years back, maybe it wasn't even that long ago, somebody in our congregation came up to me and said, Steve, if anybody in the congregation needs help in this department, send them to us. We've been through it. It's the same story. God has healed our marriage, our relationship, and we would like to share with others what God has de dealt with us. So if that's your situation, and there's a couple that you would like to, we have a couple in the congregation that would be willing to talk to you to try to help you through this. Holiness is consecration and purity. This week's reading emphasized one type of impurity, adultery. But all sin defiles us. All sin is unholy. Sin makes us impure, dirty, and unholy. Jesus is the only way we can get clean. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus died for our sins and rose again. If you believe that in your heart and commit your heart to follow Him, He will make you holy. Holiness isn't about what you do and what you don't do so much as who you trust and who you follow. Jesus can make you clean, and he'll be happy to do so if you choose to follow him. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, you have charged us with being holy, and I hope I communicated your heart properly by letting people know it's not just about getting you mad, it's about you loving us. 
and you preparing a place for us in heaven. And there's only one way to get in there, and that's through holiness. And so I pray that we would all, those of us who know you, who walk with you, that we would rededicate ourselves to holy living. And those who have not yet made a full 100% commitment to follow you, that they'll do so right now. That they'll realize that their way is not the winning way. Your way is. That they'll turn from their sins, make a confession of faith, and walk with you for the rest of their days. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.